Hello, and welcome to the Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host, and we are going to be spending the full hour today on a topic that could not be more urgent. On May 24th at UCLA, over 125 students, professors, and others gathered to hear a talk that I gave titled Woke Lunacy versus Real Revolution. And this event was the culmination of two weeks of building for the program on campus. Uh, Teams were out talking with students and professors, making announcements in classes, creating a buzz on campus and online. And as the date drew nearer, the woke folks stepped up their snark and snide comments, tearing down flyers, crumpling them up, and actually made a pathetic attempt to disrupt the talk, which you'll hear about 13 minutes into the program. Now, the purpose of this program taking on woke lunacy and contrasting it with real revolution is to radically and urgently change the alignment in society, to repolarize people's thinking and the way they're acting in a way that is much more favorable for the revolution that humanity needs to get free and that creates a much better atmosphere in society where people are debating their differences with substance and principle, not canceling and tearing each other down. Woke lunacy with its seeking out safe spaces and its striving for inclusion within this monstrous system and its anti-scientific mode of thinking and its vicious intimidation and cancel culture and its lowered sights is doing tremendous harm. And the dominance of this woke lunacy in society and in people's thinking needs to be shattered. This is not going to change just by a few individual conversations or even thousands of individual conversations, although those are really important. But it needs to be challenged frontally in a big societal way, creating a stir, breaking open a major debate and controversy over this, fighting to reset terms to what they actually are, what is true and what is not true, and what will it take to end oppression here and all over the world. This is what began at this event at UCLA last Wednesday night and in the days leading up to it. So with that, let's go to the speech that I gave, Woke Lunacy versus Real Revolution. And I strongly recommend after you hear this talk that you go to revcom.us where you can find a number of insightful reports on the event at UCLA and really deep analysis and articles from Bob Avakian, the leader of the revolution and the author of The New Communism on the destructive nature of woke identity politics, which really is the foundation, the theoretical foundation of the talk that you're about to hear from me. So let's listen. I want everyone to give a warm welcome to Sansara Taylor. Thank you. Objective reality is not part of the unnamed logic of whiteness, as is absurdly claimed by Robin DiAngelo, the author of the best-selling White Fragility. Objective reality is also not a part of white supremacist culture, as is argued in a widely circulated tract by Tima Okun. And reason and rationality are not masculinist approaches to knowledge building, as is argued by way too many feminist and black feminist theorists. All of these identity politics-based 
denials of objective reality, and the countless others that could be cited are complete garbage. They are bonkers. They blind you to what is really going on in this world. They blind you to the source of the problems and to the possibility of radical change. They blind you to the fact that a whole different, better world is possible. And whatever the intents of these particular authors and the many more who could be cited, the anti-scientific methodologies that they promote keep you away from figuring out the source of the problems that humanity faces and how we could actually get free. They talk about inclusion, representation, and equity within this system, but they blind you to how we could get rid of this system through an actual revolution and get emancipated. Emancipated from white supremacy, emancipated from patriarchy, emancipated from the American chauvinism that is killing this planet and that is bringing us closer every day to the threat of nuclear war, and emancipated from the capitalist imperialist system that requires these hateful relations among the people. They talk about harm and trauma and mental health days, but they never talk about, and still less do they do anything about, the Christian fascist, theocratic, white supremacist movement that is moving aggressively to lock in an even more nightmarish version of America. I am going to get into all of that, and I am going to get into how the increasingly unhinged movements to tear down anyone and anything that does not conform to the constantly mutating standards of wokeness is not only useless against this system and the rising fascism, but is actually serving to fuel it. This is all the more intolerable right now when those who rule over us are deeply divided, when society is being ripped apart and where we are headed towards something truly terrible. But when all of this also holds the possibility for something truly emancipating to be wrenched out of it, a real revolution. So the question before your generation is inclusion in this parasitic, dying system that is on track to take down the planet's ecosystems and humanity with it, or fighting for the chance to wrench a revolution, to get rid of this system and bring about a different society and world where all of humanity can get free. It is one or the other, because radical change is coming. It is one or the other, and each of us has a choice to make in where we're gonna stand in this. So today, I'm going to get into the following four questions to get at the essential contrast between woke identity politics on the one hand and science and real revolution on the other. One, does each different identity group and even each different individual have their own truth? Or is there one unified objective reality that all of us can come to understand using the tools of science? Two, is the problem in society marginalization, or is it oppression? 
and why does this matter? Three, is cancel culture a tool that empowers the powerless? Or is it a grotesque expression of the values of this dog-eat-dog -dog system and the profoundly lowered sights of those who cannot see beyond it? And four, should our goal be to guard ourselves with trigger warnings and safe spaces within this monstrous system? Or do we all need to get out of our comfort zones and put it on the line to make a revolution, to get to a society and a world where all of humanity, oppressed humanity everywhere, can finally live safely? After addressing these four questions, I will then examine with a real-world example the massive stakes of this contrast. I will talk about and walk through what went down last year in relation to the assault on women's fundamental right to abortion and the overturning of this right. By the end of my talk, I aim to make clear that between woke identity politics on the one hand and real revolution on the other, there are two radically different and opposed understandings of the problem that humanity faces, two radically different and opposed methodologies and moralities, and two radically different and opposed visions of the world that we should be fighting for and that is actually possible. One requires work, intellectual courage, real struggle and sacrifice, but can open the door to human emancipation. The other is degrading, cowardly, and lazy, and only accelerates humanity's current trajectory towards untold horror. And for any of you in the audience who feel you need such things, here is a trigger warning. Tonight, I'm going to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. Today and going forward, I am going to struggle with you to actually dig into real revolution as it has been re-envisioned by Bob Avakian and as is concentrated in this proclamation, which all of you got on your way in tonight. We are the Revcoms. Critically test this against reality. And while you are doing this and working to understand what is true and what's in humanity's interest, get with and work with the Revcoms for this revolution. In this struggle, You'll be challenged not to remain silent, not to stay in your lane, but to throw in everything you've got to understanding and fighting for a different world. In getting into all this tonight, I will be drawing from and fighting to apply the new synthesis of communism that's been forged by the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian, including his unparalleled critique of wokedom, or as he has sometimes put it, woke dumb, D-U-M-B. Bob Avakian, B.A., became a revolutionary in the 1960s. He worked closely with the leaders of the Black Panther Party in their most revolutionary days. He fought against the Vietnam War and much more. And through this experience, and through struggling with others over what is the problem that humanity faces and what is the solution, he became a revolutionary communist. But unlike so many of his generation in the 1960s, he never made peace with this system. In fact, his heart for the people and his outrage at the way this system grinds up humanity has only deepened. 
And he has deepened humanity's understanding that all of this is completely unnecessary. That there is a whole different way people could be living here and all over the world through a real revolution. And he has done the work to envision and lay out a blueprint for how a radically new society brought about through this revolution would function and go to work to uproot all forms of exploitation and oppression. And recently, he has led in recognizing and fighting for people to seize on the rare opportunity that is before us now to make this revolution real. So with that, let's dive in. One, do we each have our own truth? Or is there one unified objective reality that anyone can discover using the tools of science? Woke identity politics insists that because different identity groups and even different people have different experiences, that therefore everyone has their own truth. And you hear this all the time, your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth. Woke identity politics also claims that only those who directly experience marginalization can truly understand it or what must be done about it. Everyone else, especially old white men, should check their privilege, stay in their lanes, and follow the marginalized. This is wrong. Contrary to the ludicrous claims that I began this speech with, there is one objective reality, and it does actually exist. We all live in it. The planet is warming due to man-driven climate change for all of us. That's not my truth. That's not your truth, that is objectively true. It's true because it corresponds to reality. It can be proven with evidence. And it would be true even if everybody of every identity refused to acknowledge it. Just like the earth was round, even when everybody living thought it was flat. Now of course, different people do have different experiences and this matters, but this does not mean that there are different realities. Take the experience of a black woman living in the Harlem housing projects who keeps the binoculars next to her window so that every time her 13-year-old son goes down, 16 floors down, she can look out the window with her binoculars and watch him cross the street to the bodega to get a snack or a soda to make sure, because she lives in the everyday terror that this will happen, to make sure that this is not the day that he will be stopped by a cop brutalized or even killed. This is a true story. The experience of this black woman tells you a tremendous amount about the society that we live in, and everybody should learn from it. But that is just a start. Experience does not tell you why this is happening. And sometimes, experience can lead you to the wrong conclusions. For example, many black and Latino youth and that same housing project in Harlem think and deeply believe from very real, very direct experience that their enemy is another set of youth who look just like them one or two projects over. To understand what is really true takes science. It takes looking beneath the surface. It takes looking at the larger reality that any particular experience is part of. Does it particular experience concentrate a larger pattern, or is it an anomaly? 
And if it's part of a pattern, what is that pattern rooted in? <laughs> All right, we have. All right, everyone. I want to let you know that there will be a question and answer session. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, so I want to welcome the woke crowd, the unthinking knee-jerk woke crowd. Come on in. Let me see your flyer. I would like one. Please, I would like one, too. Here we go. So to all the people, hold on, to all the people who just came in, I'm really hoping that you'll stick around for the Q and answer. I'm hoping you stick around for the Q and A. And if you are, have an argument to make, have the courage of your convictions. All right. All right, so here we go. All right, we're going to ask you to stick around and make an argument. If all you have is your middle finger, it's very unimpressive, my friend. It's quite unimpressive. All right, here we go. Woke mob exhibit A. Thank you. Thank you for your high-level intellectual contribution to this evening's program. We've all learned a great deal from it. All right, so I'm going to take a little detour from my talk. I'm going to return to experience, but I just have to say who is RevCom, transphobic cult and pyramid scheme recruiting at UCLA. They put this on a flyer, and they're afraid to stand and defend it. And I'll be happy to go at it over any of this. And we will talk about it in the Q&A. But this is lies and slander. And it's cheap fear-mongering and disruption and bullshit. But I hope and I expect that most of you came tonight. I'm hoping most of you came tonight because you are sick and tired of people pimping off the struggle against oppression to shut down honest debate and real searching for a real way out. So I'm going to continue, and we're going to get into this and much more in the question and answer. But I was saying experience alone does not tell you what leads to the ongoing terror experienced by this black woman in the housing projects. Experience alone doesn't tell you these black youth and Latino youth in those same projects who their real enemy is. For that, you need science. You need to look at the larger world. You need to look at what any given particular experience is part of. Is it part of a pattern or is it an anomaly? And if it's part of a pattern, what is that pattern rooted in? And can it be changed? And how could it be changed? By looking at that reality and the roots of it. Experience cannot tell that black woman in Harlem why her grandfather and others like him could find work relatively easily, even though it meant being brutally exploited and backbreaking and dangerous jobs in meatpacking and steel mills and auto plants. And why her son, and his friends and other youth like him can't find work at all. Experience cannot tell you that. And experience cannot tell the youth who their real enemy is. For that, you need science. And you need to apply science to looking at what has led to this. 
You need to examine the system of capitalism imperialism that is what the oppression of black people is rooted in and driven forward by. You need to look at the fact that over the last 40 to 50 years, this system has gone through major changes. And it has become more profitable for the capitalist exploiters to exploit people across borders in Mexico, Brazil, and China, and to throw huge numbers of black people out of work and lock them into poverty and conditions of desperation. That is a system that you have to study and understand to understand why the conditions of this woman's grandfather are different than those of his, her son, even as the oppression continues. Science can show you that it is this system that has set up and encouraged the youth in these projects to fight and even kill each other, while also criminalizing them, unleashing their pigs to brutalize them, and hunt them down and lock them up in mass incarceration in prisons that have mushroomed in these same recent decades. Science can also show you how all this can be ended, not by making reforms within this system, but by overthrowing this system. And while we're on this, let me say there is little that reeks more of a condescending savior than the notion that the oppressed do not need to understand and cannot handle more than their own direct experience. Right. Right. About 15 years ago, I spoke on this campus with a dear friend and comrade named Clyde Young, who has since passed away. He was a beautiful person with an incredible heart. He was a black man who came up in the hard ghettos of the Midwest. He spent most of his childhood incarcerated and much of his adult life. But he went on to transform himself into a revolutionary intellectual, into a follower of Bob Avakian, into a scientific revolutionary leader. But this didn't spring from him being on the streets and treated like dirt by this system. That trained him to go out and rob other people. He had to transform himself. He had to fight to do that. He had to fight to take up theory and study, even in the harsh conditions of prison. And others had to struggle with him to break out of the ways that this system puts on him and people like him, the ways of thinking. And there are other people in this room tonight who, like Clyde Young, came up under the boot of this system and have transformed themselves and who will be the first to tell you not to condescend to them and talk to them like children and who will be the first to tell you the enormous respect and appreciation they have for Bob Avakin because he has enough respect for them to struggle with them like hell, to become critical thinkers, and to rise to what they are capable of as scientific strategic commanders in a real revolution. But woke lunacy refuses all of this. It stands in the way of this. It tries to shout it down. It does this claiming that all you can really know is your own direct experience. So shut up and follow whoever is black or BIPOC or trans or whatever is most fashionable at the moment. But all this keeps people trapped at the surface, ignorant of and unable to learn the deeper causes of things, left prey to being manipulated by charlatans who commodify oppressed identity to tell you to follow them Fall in line, regardless of where it is they are leading you. Do we really need more of this shit? 
more of people's oppression being pimped off of and played on while the horrors of this world grind on. No, we need people from every background taking up the tools of science and the rigor of evaluating what everyone has to say up against objective reality and asking, if we follow this, will it lead towards ending oppression or reinforcing it? Two, is the problem in society and the world marginalization or is it oppression? And why does this matter? Wokesters talk constantly about the marginalized. Rarely do they talk about oppression. But if you think that the problem is that some identity groups are cast to the margins of society, then the solution that flows from that is to fight for inclusion of those groups, or at least some from within those groups, in the center of society. And we hear this demand for inclusion all the time and for centering the marginalized. But ask yourself, did it make any difference at all to Tyree Nichols that the five cops who beat him mercilessly as he cried out for his mother and pleaded calmly with them to stop, they beat him to death? Did it matter to him that those five cops were black? No. Did it matter to him that the head of the chief, the police department, was a black female police chief? No. Ask yourself, what about the 12 and 13 and 16-year-old immigrant children who were kidnapped by your government at the border. They are being deprived of an education and basic literacy right now. And as you can read about in a searing piece at revcom.us, they are being forced right now to work in slave-like conditions in this country, producing products for Ben and Jerry's, General Motors, Pepsi, J. Crew, and other US corporations. Do you think it would make all this worth it to them, to their parents, if they learned that the high-level Biden official who suppressed exposure about this crime was Susan Rice, a black female? Or what about the 526 children in Gaza who were slaughtered in 2014 by Israeli security forces? Do you think they give a damn that this was backed by Hillary Clinton, a female Secretary of State, and Barack Obama, the first black president? Wokesters act as if the advancement of a few individuals from among different oppressed groups within this system or clawing to the top of this system somehow serves the oppressed as a whole. It does not. Now, of course, discrimination at every level of society needs to be fought. But the problem is not marginalization. It is oppression, the pressing down of whole groups of people. And if you recognize that, then the question becomes, what is it going to take to uproot this oppression? Which means you have to look at the system that it is rooted in. It is the system of capitalism imperialism. And uprooting this oppression requires overthrowing this system. So do you want to? Continue this insanity of squandering your energies, putting new faces on the same rotten system as it destroys our planet and humanity's future. No. We need to get organized now. 
You need to get with the Revcoms now so that we can seize this rare time to actually overthrow this system and get beyond this oppression. Three, is cancel culture a tool that empowers the powerless? Or is it a grotesque expression of the values of this dog-eat-dog system of capitalism imperialism and the profoundly lowered sights of those who cannot see beyond it. Those who defend cancel culture claim it is the way to level the playing field, to allow everyday people to take down the powerful who they otherwise would not be able to touch. Ernest Owens, for example, in his book, The Case for Cancel Culture, calls it a democratic tool that works to liberate us all. This is wrong on so many levels. First, what are the methods and what is the morality of cancel culture? It is to go through someone's entire life to find something they did wrong, whether significant or trivial or maybe fabricated, and then reduce them to it, shame them for it, and throw them away. Rather than looking at the arc of someone's life to determine what is the main thing about them and how are they changing, or how they could change if they were struggled with, they are canceled. Anyone defends them, they get canceled too. All this erases nuance or complexity, as well as the presumption of innocence. Accusations alone are treated as proof of guilt. This is revenge. This has nothing to do with justice. And these days, people get canceled not just for doing something wrong, but for daring to do things that are very good while being the, quote, wrong identity. Dana Schutz painted a powerful piece commemorating the open casket of Emmett Till. And this work was included in the 2017 Whitney Biennial. But then some woke hustlers came out and trashed her because she was white and it was not her story to tell and demanded not only that the artwork be taken down, but that it be destroyed. Destroying artwork that you don't agree with? You know who else does that? The Taliban. And as much as their particular dogma might differ from the wokesters, the fundamental methodology is not any different. But let's look deeper. What is the underlying premise of cancel culture? It's that people cannot change. And if people cannot change, then the world can't change. How convenient for this system and for the woke lackeys clawing to get a piece of this system. But this is not true. If it were true, Detroit Red, who went around robbing people, never could have become Malcolm X. If it were true, US soldiers who witnessed and even carried out horrific atrocities in Vietnam could never have returned to this country and at great risk to themselves told the world the truth about what they witnessed and then gone down to the White House and thrown their medals over the fence in one of the most heroic and courageous anti-war acts of their generation. And this kind of transformation can be true on an even bigger scale as we come together to fight to change the world through a real revolution and change ourselves in the process. So do you really want to feed this destructive 
degrading, demoralizing dynamic of cancel culture? Or will you stand up to it with largeness of mind and generosity of spirit and work together to change ourselves as we struggle to change the larger world? And four, should the goal be to guard ourselves with trigger warnings and safe spaces within this monstrous system? Or do we all need to get out of our comfort zone and put it on the line to make a revolution and bring about a world that is actually safe for the masses of oppressed humanity here and around the world? A professor at Hamlin University in St. Paul warned her students, gave them the option to leave, and then showed a piece of artwork that depicted the Prophet Muhammad in an art history class. You know what happened next? She got fired because some students were offended. Raphael, who opened tonight's program, one time took this poster of people whose lives were stolen by police out to UC Berkeley a few years back trying to get students to stand up against this unending atrocity. You know what happened? Some students tried to drive him off campus. They said they were triggered by this. Never mind the actual people killed by actual triggers. Just don't make me look. It's too upsetting to me. I was once part of a group of people who was ejected by police under threat of arrest from a so-called reproductive rights conference at Hampshire College. What was our crime? So we had a table. We were registered, part of the conference. And we're talking about the atrocities done to women, the assault on women's right to abortion, the massive sexual slavery that goes on by the millions and millions around the world. And some student came up to us and wanted to argue that sex work is really empowerment and agency. And we refused to agree with this. We didn't assault them. We didn't insult them. We just didn't go along with the, something we did not think was true. But then they started crying. Oh my God, five alarm emergency, call the police. <laughs> but calling oppression, agency, and empowerment does not change the fact that it is oppression. And calling the police to protect you from having to look at reality does not change that reality. It only keeps it going. It is time for students and young people to stop acting like soft crybabies. Here, here, I want to quote from Bob Avakian in a very important work he did called Something Terrible or Something Truly Emancipating. He said, enough of woke folk who act as if it is actually oppressed people, or as they like to call it, the marginalized, who are fragile beings, constantly need in the protection of safe spaces, lest they fall apart at the mere appearance of a triggering phenomenon. And since when are universities and other institutions supposed to be places where you are safe, not just from physical violence of one kind or another and from overtly threatening or clearly degrading verbal assaults, but from ideas? statements, etc., that simply make you uncomfortable. 
How are you going to change the world if you are in danger of falling apart at things like that? And he goes on, Bob Avakin does, based on real world experience of his own in the 1960s and broader understanding, he says, in any real struggle to deal with any real oppression, up against powerful enforcers of that oppression, you are going to have to face the prospect of real sacrifice, including the prospect of being physically attacked. And if you think you can carve out a little safe enclave, and that this is somehow going to lead to any kind of significant change in society, you are full of illusions and delusions." End quote. And here, let's be honest. And let's be honest. The little enclaves of safe space that woke folk are fighting for within this country rest on the horror this country inflicts around the world. They rest on the Congolese children slaving in mines to extract the coltan that makes their phones work. They rest on the Bangladeshi women trapped in dangerous hellhole factories who are stitching the clothes that they are wearing. And they rest on the migrants who left children thousands of miles away and risked their lives in deserts and jungles and up against border patrol to pick their fruit. But you see, for all their endless talk of privilege, the one privilege the woke identity politics hustlers rarely talk about is American privilege. The privilege, the privilege that comes from living in the USA, a country that plunders the world and whose wealth and power rests on brutal exploitation and oppression throughout the world, backed up through massive violence enforced by the US military. These woke hustlers want all they can get of that kind of privilege. Is that what you want? Or do you want to end this? This is the Michael Slate Show, and I am Sansara Taylor, and we are listening to a talk that I recently gave at an event at UCLA in Los Angeles called Woke Lunacy versus Real Revolution. Let's return to that now. So having addressed these four questions, I want to move now and take some time to examine how all this played out in the face of what can only be described as the most massive assault on women, women's lives, in at least three generations, the overturning of the right to abortion last year. I want to compare what we, the Revcoms, did, the followers of Bob Avakian, versus what the woke identity politics hustlers did in response to this attack. So I want to start with our approach to the truth. For our part, we started by making an analysis of reality. What was actually happening and why? And here it helped profoundly that Bob Avakian has been ahead of the curve for decades in analyzing the threat posed by Christian fascism and how their attack on abortion is deadly serious and is a concentration of the fight over whether women, yes, women, will be enslaved or emancipated. And more recently, as I mentioned, Bob Avakin analyzed the larger situation that this fight over abortion is happening within, a rare time when this whole country is splitting apart. This country is more divided than it has been since before the Civil War. And the crisis it is currently going through will not be resolved within the norms and the structures that have held this society together since then. Currently, this is headed towards disaster 
but it also holds a heightened chance to make a real revolution. This is because millions and millions of people's lives and assumptions about this country are being jolted and torn apart. The ripping away of abortion rights is one example of this. It is forcing many people to question things in new ways. Bob Avakian told the truth about this, boldly in the major talk that I quoted from earlier, something terrible or something truly emancipating, and in other works. And we RevCom spread this. And we also boldly told the truth about what's concentrated in the particular fight over abortion, that forcing women to have children against their will by denying them abortion is female enslavement. In contrast, the wokesters refused to confront this reality. They downplayed the threat to abortion and they attacked us for stating it. They called us racist for calling it female enslavement. But what else do you call the state violently, forcibly controlling somebody's body, women's bodies in the most intimate, life-shattering and life-lasting way? And if you really want to fight against racism when it comes to abortion, how about standing up against the fact that those who will be hit hardest, among those hit hardest, will be black and brown women? The wokesters accused us of fear-mongering for using wire coat hangers and bloody pants to portray how women die without access to legal abortion, even though this is true, and there are women being sent home from hospitals right now to bleed out and risk their lives because of abortion bans. They called us transphobic, and it continues, and TERFs for simply using the word women rather than pretending like the assault on abortion was motivated by some genderless attack on people with uteruses. And this is bad faith bullshit. Here I want to cite just one of many places where Bob Avakian made very clear how we see this attack and trans rights. He wrote, of course, in the case of the extremely small number of females who have transitioned or are transitioning to males, but who re retain female reproductive organs and might get pregnant, they should have the right to abortion and to decent health care overall without any stigma or discrimination. And in general, attacks directed against trans people must be actively, vigorously opposed. But in terms of its essential purpose and objective, the attack on the right to abortion is not aimed at trans people. The attack on the right to abortion is a move to further intensify the already horrific oppression of women, denying them control of their lives and their very bodies, reducing them to breeders of children, cruelly subordinating them to men and a patriarchal male supremacist society. Forced motherhood is, in fact, female enslavement." End quote. So next, I want to contrast the political program of us, the Revcoms, versus the Wokesters. And this is all real. This all played out just in the last year. For our part, we recognize that if people did not fight this attack, it would guarantee horrors for women and girls. And it would also set back the prospects for revolution by allowing people to be beaten down and demoralized without a fight. But conversely, 
We understood that if the pent-up fury of millions and millions of women and girls at thousands of years of patriarchal degradation and oppression were unleashed and millions more stood with them, that we had a fighting chance to stop the fascist Supreme Court from taking this right away. And that we had to take this chance and through waging this fight, we could actually strengthen people to go forward for revolution. This was a real prospect and possibility. It was not a guarantee. It would have been hard, but it was possible. And it might have happened had these woke hustlers and the Democratic Party not attacked and stood in the way of it. But we waged real struggle even in the face of these attacks. I reached out to others from very diverse political perspectives, and we came together and initiated a movement with the green bandana, Rise Up for Abortion Rights. And our mission was to unite all who could possibly be united to take to the streets a mass, nonviolent, relentless protest to stop the Supreme Court from taking this right from half of society. And we, through courageous truth-telling and bold, disruptive protests, forced awake millions in this society. Some of us went to jail, myself and others, putting it on the line to wake others up to fight. We waged struggle. But for their, and we actually did bring forward tens of thousands of people to fight against this, including many, many furious young women who saw their whole futures and lives on the line. And in contrast, the wokesters capitulated in advance. They told people the lie that it didn't matter if the Supreme Court overturned abortion rights because they just helped people with uteruses travel to other states to get abortions. And besides, They'd spread the abortion pill so people could manage their own abortions at home, and they insisted delusionally that this would be impossible to suppress. These woke hustlers focused attention on the handful of people who could be helped in this way, while joining the fascists in erasing the masses of women and girls who are already suffering and more who will come behind them. I am talking about, on average, at least 5,000 women a month who have been denied access to abortion in this country who otherwise would have had an abortion. And I am talking about the millions and millions more who live with the threat of that hanging over their heads right now in 14 states and many more in the balance. So finally, let's compare and contrast the principles and the methods and morality of the Revcoms versus the Wokesters. For our part, we fought hard for people to look at and understand what was giving rise to this assault. Where was it coming from? What was it rooted in? What would it take to stop it? And to debate this out with principle. And Bob Avakian modeled this more than anybody else with article after article going into this. And Bob Avakian also fought for and modeled the kind of standards we should have as we struggle with each other over analysis of the problem and strategy to fight it. And I want to quote from one of the places he did this. He said, this struggle needs to be waged in a principled way not descending into personal attacks or engaging in slanders of people with whom you disagree, but honestly examining the substance of different approaches, where they will lead, and whether they will strengthen or weaken the critical fight for the right to abortion and for a more just society overall." End quote. But for their part, the wokesters refused to engage any of these arguments. Instead, they descended precisely into personal attacks and slanders. 
They spread lies and reactionary anti-communism. They waged a full all-out character assassination campaign against Bob Avakian and against myself. You know how in Monopoly, there's the get out of jail free card? Well, these woke hustlers played the get out of thought free card by accusing and smearing Bob Avakian as some kind of a cult leader and me of some kind of a groomer for this cult. As scary people, you should stay away from, run away from, not think about what we're saying, lest we assert our mind control. <laughs> this is a manipulative, unprincipled, and cowardly way to keep people from engaging or thinking critically about what we're actually saying. They couldn't make an argument against it. They didn't want to stand up and air that out, so instead they lied, slandered, attacked, and fear-mongered. And shamefully, in this culture where way too many people follow rumors rather than evidence, and where people go along even with things they disagree with rather than sticking their neck out and risk getting canceled themselves, way too many people let themselves get played by this and fell away. But did any of this woke opportunism reflect the truth? No, it was lies and bullying and intimidation to back up those lies. Did any of this help protect abortion rights? No. It strengthened the fascist assault by taking a wrecking ball to the one movement that was leading people to stand up and by erasing women and therefore disorienting people as to what was actually at stake. And did all this tearing down of Bob Avakian and myself and the people from different perspectives and rise up for abortion rights based on the lie that we were TERFs and transphobes, did any of this do anything to stop the more than 500 anti-trans laws that have been introduced or passed just in the last year? No. These, <laughs> these scurrilous, dishonest attacks aided the genocidal assault on trans people by getting decent people caught up in fighting friends rather than enemies. And it kept people away from the one solution that is the source to all of this oppression, a real revolution. And all of this stank of the murderous tactics of the FBI and political police of the 1960s against the leaders of the Black Panther Party and against other revolutionaries. The FBI fabricated rumors to create divisions. They spread lies and slanders to isolate revolutionary leaders. They carried out cold-blooded assassinations, and they sent people into long bids in prison based on false charges. Everyone who cares about justice, everyone who cares about the truth, and about the ability of people to learn from each other, debate with each other, and unite where they can to fight for a better world, has to stand up against this and start setting different standards now. But you see, the woke hustlers don't want you thinking about or debating all this, especially not revolution. Because for all their talk and posturing, at the end of the day, they are loyal to this system. Their program and their horizons are limited to fighting for a bigger place within it. 
And they are fighting to channel your outrage against oppression into getting them a bigger seat at the table and a bigger slice of this system's spoils. And the more that reality refuses to conform to their brittle, out-of-touch dictates, the more fanatically they lash out. And the more ludicrously they do this, the more the fascists seize on it to caricature and attack every real cry for justice. And the more the fascists escalate, the more the wokesters retreat from and lash out against anyone who dares to wage the struggle that must be waged against this. And all this feeds the wider silence and passivity of millions of decent people who need to be standing up, searching for answers and fighting for a different future now. This woke lunacy is not just a dead end. It is actively doing harm. It is time. In fact, it is long past time to stand up to this and reject it. It is time to lift our sights to and fight for the radically different society and world that is possible through an actual revolution. To seize the unique, unique chance to bring about what is envisioned in this constitution for the new socialist republic in North America, authored by Bob Avakian. And if you haven't read this, then you really don't know what is possible. Imagine living in a society where the economy was not geared towards profit above all else at the cost of the planet and billions of people, but was instead geared towards meeting people's needs, repairing the environment, and serving the fight for liberation the world over. Imagine if new ideas, especially ideas that challenge tradition and authority, even the authority of those leading the new society, including, yes, the communists, were not shot down, but was engaged and debated, measured up against reality and whether it could help move society forward. Imagine a system that did not require and immediately put an end to the brutal murder by police and occupying armies around the world. Imagine a society that gave backing to women and differently gendered people as they fought to uproot every vestige of remaining patriarchal attitudes and relations, to scientists and youth innovating new forms of environmentally sustainable development, to artists and others striking out in new directions, and to a culture where people's diversity was celebrated at the same time that our community and shared future was fostered. Imagine all of this as part of a society being led to move together with the people of the world towards real emancipation. Dig into this Constitution, debate it, spread it, measure it up against the exploiter's US Constitution, and tune in every week to the RNL, the Revolution Nothing Less Show, to learn more about and connect with this revolution. And right now, as the horrors of this system are mounting, and the fascists are seizing on this crisis that is ripping through society, do not stand aside. Do not leave here tonight thinking, wow, I'm glad somebody's speaking up about this. Get with the Revcoms. Sign up tonight. Spend your summer learning about and working with us to spread this revolution everywhere. And in moving to conclude, I want to read and ask you to take to heart these words from Bob Avakian. Instead of staying in your lane and going for self, while this system is moving to even more decisively crush any hope for a world worth living in, people need to be looking at the bigger picture, 
focusing on the greater interests of humanity and the possibility for a far better world and acting to make this a reality. Instead of finding excuses to go along with the way things have been, standing apart from or even bad-mouthing the revolution, people need to get with this revolution and not throw away the rare opportunity to be part of bringing something much better into being. Instead of snarking and sniping at each other, being divided by identities, people should be working to unite everyone from every part of society who can be united in the fight against oppression and injustice with the goal of putting an end to this system that is the source of this oppression and injustice." End quote. So I am calling on you, each of you here tonight, to answer this challenge, to make your life really count for something at this time of radical change, one way or the other, to think, to dream, and dare to fight for a future where all of humanity is free, to step into this revolution now while the future is being shaped. Thank you. This brings us to the end of another show. I would like to thank the assistant producer, Henry Carson, and the whole RNL Revolution Nothing Less show crew for the sound recording. And once again, you can read a number of great articles on the program that happened, Woke Lunacy versus Real Revolution, as well as the important foundational analysis that I was wielding about this from Bob Avakian and others at revcom.us. That's the website, revcom.us. And you can see the video of this talk on the RNL show at youtube.com slash the revcoms. With that, I'll talk to you next week.